0: I'm Jasmine Moradi and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions, 60 plus questions in around 30 to 40 minutes with women, women of color, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in tech by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior, and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60-plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting into the heart of my guests' personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, women of color, Non binary and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voices of tech champions around the world and, together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Right enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture to retain diverse talent so we keep the workforce power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Representation matters. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, tech queen Risha Bansal, the founder and career coach at Peak Careers. Hi, hi, Jasmine. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I am such honored to be able to have you. How are you? I am doing great. We
1: just moved to Houston, where we have lived eight years. So I'm excited to kind of settle back into the city that I've known for so many years and uh, meet all of our colleagues and friends. So super exciting. Thank you.
0: Well, glad to hear. Now, let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of 60 plus questions.
1: I'm it. Let's dive in.
0: Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags?
1: I would say that I'm very direct. I'm also ambitious and I think I, one of my superpowers is that I'm resilient.
0: How would you describe your life in three sentences?
1: Change is the only constant. A no is not a no. It's just a redirection to something better. And if you don't ask, you never get.
0: What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most?
1: I love mm-hmm. country music. But some of my favorite singers include John Denver and Luke Bryan. What's your personal motto? Aim high reach for the stars. What is your favorite book? One of my favorite books that has really changed my life, it's called Nice Girls, Don't Get the Corner Office by Lily P. Frankel. It talks about 101 ways that women self-sabotage. And it was the first time I realized after reading that book, how much sorry I said and the amount of story I said, what impact does it have on myself and
0: my confidence? What is your favorite podcast?
1: I love listening to Amy Porterfield. Uh, she has a podcast on Online Marketing Made Easy. I've been following her for the last few years. The podcast is about online entrepreneurs trying to grow their business. And that's kind of the space that I'm in right now. But I love her simply because she's such an empathetic leader while she's also making boatloads of money. So she's a perfect example of how women can make lots and lots of money while also creating lots and lots of impact.
0: Mac or PC? I am Mac. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know.
1: I live and worked in five countries. What is your hidden
0: talent? I love writing, and I have written a book. Well, that's one of the next question. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? If I
1: were to write another book, which I really do want, to the next couple of years, it will probably be called My Uncharted Path.
0: Great start, Risha. Now let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up?
1: I know in India, in a city called Jaipur. It's called the Pink City because all of the buildings are pink by virtue of the stone that they use in most of the old city. It's a fantastic place.
0: What was your dream job as a child?
1: I have a child and I wanted to become a doctor. So my dad is a pediatrician and I always adopted him. So I always wanted to become a doctor. And then sometimes in really like 9, 10, I realized how much like, studying you have to do to become a doctor. I didn't end up becoming a doctor, but my brother did. What was your favorite subject in school? I would say like my favorite subject, maybe not in school, but really more in college, was mechanical design.
0: What was your least favorite subject?
1: I hated fluid dynamics. I cannot, till this day, understand where all of those equations kind of come from and how they all come together.
0: What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet?
1: Playing video games with my brother. It was Mario Bros. One where you would have the Mario go ding, ting ting, and then you had this funny sound. Recently watched Mario Bros. with my kids, and it took me down a memory lane. Which were the three first
0: technology gadgets you owned?
1: The very first one that I remember was a Walkman that my parents got me, and then the next one I remember was a CD player. And then we had that flip phone, you know, one of those where you would just kind of open out. The Nokia phones that we used to joke about, That even if you drop it from two floors up, that it's not going to break.
0: Who was your female role model growing up? My mom. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influenced your education and career choice? Maybe I can kind of piggyback on my
1: previous answer for why my mother is my role model. I was five, five and a half, and they were looking for, you know, which sport to put me in grade one. And one of the top schools in the city was a Hindi-medium school. But there was also this other school that, you know, most of the elite families used to send their kids. My mom put her foot down that I'm not going to send my girl to a Hindi-medium school. I don't want her to struggle with English the same way that I did. And so that's that's a lot to influence my upbringing and, you know, my confidence in my spoken language and my English skills. And I credit all of that to my mom. And um, eventually that school is what influenced kind of how I saw myself, you know, several early childhood influences, how you see yourself and what you could do to such extent.
0: Such a great woman. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So, Richa, I want to know the choices behind your career. Where and what did you study at university?
1: So at university, I did mechanical engineering. And I was the early woman in a class of 67 students at the time. So I went to the school called Indian Institute of Technology. Delhi, it's one of the top engineering schools in India And, uh, you know, you asked me what influenced kind of my choice to take mechanical engineering. I was always like a hands-on person. I like thinking with stuff. So something stuff like mechanical, aerospace, that's kind of my jam. And um, in India, the way it works is you sit for like a certain exam. And then depending on what grades you get and what score you get, you choose your subjects. And I remember going for that counseling session when you were supposed to choose your subject. And the professor told me that women don't take mechanical engineering. So you really discourage me from taking it. Like women don't take mechanical engineering. They have to lift heavy stuff and this and that. And I'm like, okay, this is the subject that I'm going to take. Because you said no. Right from the early memories that I had, I've always wanted to challenge the status quo. That's why I ended up in mechanical. You know, three uh, years even before me, we had only one woman in mechanical engineering. But we can be the first and the few and uh, change the world between us.
0: Kudos to you. And what professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own?
1: So I've had several roles before I got to where I am right now. So right now i run my own show. I am an entrepreneur. I'm the founder of this company, Loving Careers. But before that, in my professional life, i had seven roles ranging from my very first one being uh, a fleet engineer. So I used to wear my hot hat and Real for oil on offshore platforms. I have been a mechanical design engineer, then I moved up in engineering management. Then at some point, I, I changed course and went into supply chain, then came back to engineering management, went to do some corporate strategy work, and then that's kind of what I me to start my own business.
0: And what does big careers do?
1: So Pink Careers is a leadership development company. My mission with Pink Careers is to close the gender gap in the C-suite. A lot of that mission is influenced by my own journey in oil and gas. I'm happy to expand on that as we continue this conversation. But Really, my goal is to bring no fluff, practical, actionable career advice and training to emerging leaders when we are first starting to step into people management roles. And that's where I believe we can have the most impact on women and the career trajectory
0: that they have. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities?
1: I'm the founder. I'm a one-woman show, really. So doing everything from visioning to defining our programs, to doing coaching, to marketing, to sales, to finance, accounting, everything at the point. I do have a wonderful uh, virtual assistant that I work with. And she has really helped my life become a little bit easier and hoping that we can soon expand our team so that we can influence even more women around us.
0: Why did you start your own company? Throughout my
1: career, ever since I went to undergrad, I've almost always found myself with only women around the leadership team. So, right from undergrad, when I was the only woman in a class of what 67 mechanical engineers to when I worked on offshore oil rig, I was either just myself or one of the two women on offshore oil rig. When I moved in engineering management, also didn't have enough representation around me. I think it's time that we change that. And that's kind of what my goal is with Pink Careers as well to share with others that it's possible that women can indeed do it all. We can prioritize our career while also prioritizing our life. They both can go hand
0: in hand. And what does a typical work day look like for you?
1: I'm not talk so much about the typical work day, but really what a typical work week look like for me. I'd like to divide my week. Create themes for my week so that I can be more productive in my time. So, what's your typical work week starts on a Monday when Monday I try to take no meetings. And Monday is my thinking day, right? And like that's where I create content. I think about new concepts on how I can help my clients get better results. How can I really inspire and make change around me? So, that's Monday. The Tuesday, it's typically sales. Wednesdays and Thursdays I do coaching work and client work and Friday is my CEO day where I think about, you know, my company and how I can grow grow that for
0: I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So reach out. What do you love about your role?
1: I get to make a change every single day. When I started being careers, almost like four years ago, I was going on my regular evening walks and I was thinking about how am I making a change in this world? And at the time I was working for Shnama it's a company I worked for for ten years. I love that company, and I loved the work that I was doing. But I started questioning: How am I making a tangible change that I can see happen every single day? Even though I'm kind of philosophically high level, I am making a change to the work that I'm doing, and that's kind of what Pinterest allows me to do. It allows me to make a change for well, my clients. When every single day I see a promotion happen, or if my client sends me a note that they just got another interview when they hadn't gotten an interview in two years with kind of whatever they were doing, it really gives me that. Sadness satisfaction that yes, I am a change. I am delivering on my values and I'm leaving the world and little better than how I found.
0: And what is the best experience you've had in your current role so far? Any examples?
1: I think one of the best examples that I can share is uh, from one of the clients. When she started working with me, she was kind of going through this enormous amount of personal trauma that was impacting the way she saw her and who she was outside of this personal trauma. So this lady is extremely high achieving. She has a PhD. She's doing some great stuff, some great research in the States, but she was still carrying all of this personal trauma that was impacting her confidence and how she saw herself as an individual. And through our work together, she really got to understand who she was separate from her personal trauma. She stopped seeing her identity as all of this challenges that she was going through. And she started seeing her identity as something different. And that identity shifted really not just has an impact on her but really her children and the, the people that she has surrounding herself and so i think the best examples are when you see a change happen not only the person but that change in that person has a ripple effect on like our family on our friends and colleagues around us.
0: and talking about challenges what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it
1: the biggest challenge that I've encountered, especially as growing in careers, has been just my own mindset and uh, believing that the success that I created in my corporate life, I can replicate in my entrepreneurial life as well. And it really goes back to having this deep look at the lead that the skills don't go away, right? Like The skills that help you be successful in one field are the same skills that help you be successful in this other field, right? The skill set is transferable. The application may be different, but the skill set are transferable. So the same skill in learning quickly, being able to learn, implement, and pivot, and be resilient. Those are the skills that really, if you think about it, more than technical skills, are what help us be successful in corporate. And I can take that same skill set, do a different application of it, and be successful in growing this other thing as well. So mindset is really the,
0: the big thing here. And what do you wish everybody understood about your role?
1: One thing that I wish that people knew about my job is that entrepreneurship can be a pretty lonely journey. So I've kind of noticed recently when I previously worked in corporate, it was easier to make conversation with people. I, people found it easier to make conversation with me. But if you don't have a circle that has the same experience that you have with entrepreneurship, they can often find themselves as a loss of words on so like what to talk to me about. People can educate themselves on entrepreneurship, what the journey looks like, so that they can ask educated questions. And it's really up to me as well to educate them on what my day-to-day looks like, what my challenges look like, what my wins look like, so that we can have a fruitful conversation the same way we used to when I worked in corporate.
0: What do you love about working in the tech industry?
1: The thing that I love working in the tech industry is that the learning curve is really steep. Okay. Technology changes and refreshes very, very quickly. And so the person who will survive, not really survive, but thrive in this industry is somebody who can learn very, very quickly.
0: Oprah just said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness or reach reju- out. What has by far been your biggest achievement in your career?
1: I am getting a promotion at work. This is my very first promotion to leadership roles while I was also doing my MBA for a time. So getting into professional at work while being one of the top of class in my end program, while also having my first kid.
0: And what's the biggest factor does help you become successful? Any success habits?
1: Asking for help. And so this example that I shared with you that I consider my biggest achievement of getting promoted, doing my MBA, having my first kid wouldn't have been possible had I not asked for help. And at the time my parents and my in-laws came and Asian parents are very, very generous. They keep and stayed with that for three months at a time. And that's the only thing that helped me. So asking for help is an underrated superpower that I encourage everybody to, to utilize. And the second thing that I would say is that I endorse the money guilt. And I really focus on having one time with my kids rather than worrying myself and guilt Definitely spending in more time. How do you measure your own performance at work? I like to set quarterly goals as well as yearly goals. When I worked in corporate, I wanted to make sure that I always have black and white goals with my management as to what success looks like. It's very, very important to ask yourself this question, what the success looks like? And so set smart goals, but really have a clear measurement. The measurement is the most important piece. I used to define that in conjunction with my management. Now that I run my own show, one of the most important methods for me is uh, revenue goals, quarterly and yearly. And then I work backwards from there for it.
0: With success comes failure. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it?
1: I got into business with my husband. It's a very vulnerable story that I won't go necessarily into a lot of details of. But something that I've learned from that experience was that it is hard for me personally to marry family, friendship and business because, you know, one to get really passionate about the things that we are doing. And that's something that has been a hard lesson for me. And I know in future, I would keep family, friendship and business separate.
0: What would you say is inspiring and motivating the most in your role in career right now?
1: I get to make a change every single day. I hear about a new promotion, I hear about job offers being given by the, you know, the fallacy that the market is bad despite the fear that recession is here. I've had two clients who received director-level offers in December, seeing small change happen around me. That's one of the most rewarding things in my job.
0: Let us now jump into influence mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Misha, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today?
1: I do. I've had sponsors throughout my life. Mentors that have been converted into sponsors, but then also real sponsors. Most blind trust in me, and it has been up to me to deliver on that trust. So going back to my very first leadership role that came about because a mentor stood up for me and she said that the only will stay another month if this job was rigid. And that she made sure that particular high profile role came to me. And that was my first experience of a mentor running to sponsor. There was another uh, huge male ally come sponsor who was my boss. He put me up for a very, very high profile task force that I think changed the trajectory of my career. And then in my entrepreneurship journey, I run now one of the largest leadership programs that run across the government of Canada. And that came about because a huge sponsor, uh, a lady I respect immensely, she helped me meet several, several kind of high profile connections. And uh, again, really put trust in me for me to then deliver on my promise. And I couldn't have done it without all of these sponsors.
0: Who is the female non binary or transgender role model you look up to in your field?
1: Her name is Indra Nooyi, and she was the former CEO of PepsiCo. Her book, My Like and Full, she talks about very transparently her struggles with managing work life and the power of allyship and the power of being in the right environment that allows you to not only really survive, but really thrive in your career. And it's so important. We oftentimes discount how important it is to be in a workplace that is conducive of you getting a thriving career at the same time balancing your work life. I often times hear from my clients that they are stuck in a toxic workness, toxic company, and I tell them all that for every bad company, there are a 100 better ones. For every bad boss, there are 100 better ones. So go find that right company, that right country for you, and that is like paramount if you want to grow in your career.
0: History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsors in business than women. You just were mentioning your success. How important do you think is to have a mentor, champion, or sponsor during one's career?
1: It is extremely important, Like right? I couldn't have done it without the mentors and the champions that I have had throughout my career. And that's why I feel it is my responsibility also to be that role model. In fact, I tell everybody in Word that everyone is a role model. The generation behind us, that woman, that guy who was two years behind us is looking up to us. So everybody's a role model and it is up to us to share our story, right? Both the wins, but also the vulnerabilities so that we can inspire the generation that's coming behind us to do great things.
0: Let's move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And Sholi Samber, ex-CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure the impact lasts in your absence. Risha, what does leadership mean to you?
1: Leadership means not being afraid to make a change not be afraid to challenge the status quo. So leaders are change makers. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? A good leader is not afraid to put business first, but the way they do that is also be empathetic to their people. Because at the end of the day, if you are running a corporation, you have to care about the numbers. But good leaders care about numbers while also being empathetic in the way they do it for their people. And I think the bad leaders, they just care about numbers. And that's the big difference.
0: Who is your favorite female non-binary or transgender tech leader and why?
1: Kami Porterfield, she runs an online business. She teaches people how to create their online courses. And I love her because she's very, very empathetic in the way she does business. She's making a huge impact while also making a boatload of money. And I think we can do it both. There's nothing bad happens when women make more money.
0: How would you describe yourself as a leader?
1: you will have to ask my lead on what she thinks. But I consider myself empathetic. I'm definitely very direct in giving feedback and calling out if there's anything that's missing.
0: And I think I'm a little eccentric. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? I think being direct with feedback is really important to me, both ways.
1: And I like to have this two-way channel and I, I empowered my team as well, that they can give me feedback if they find like, you know, anything that I'm doing not right and also think that I am doing right. So Feedback, two-way direction feedback is really important. And I think the other important thing as a leader for me is to enable my team to be able to do their job.
0: What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? I'll share two
1: big lessons that I've learned. The first one is to let your team make mistakes. Because unless your team make mistakes, they're not going to learn what is the right way to do things and what's not. And when you let your team make mistakes and let them own it at the same time have their back, then they're empowered to make change. And the second one that I learned from a bad boss was to never micromanage. Because that's the fastest way to for the trust to be eroded. I try to not micromanage. I am me in the beginning until that trust is built. But then after that, once you've got my trust, we should never, never micromanage.
0: What are your three strengths and three weaknesses?
1: My top three strengths are that I'm really, really passionate. So once I find something that I'm really caring about, I will go to all lengths and extents to make that happen. I'm resilient. And um, I'm a blue sky thinker. But on the flip side, that also means that I struggle with execution and taking something to completion, like I'm really good at starting, getting something from zero to from past, half, but then yeah. taking that from half to one is something that I struggle with. Uh, attention, attention to detail and organization are not my forte as well. So then I try right. to complement myself with people who would have the attention to detail and organizational skills, because that's what leaders do, right? right. You're trying to find people who complement your skill set.
0: Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Risha, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally?
1: So for me, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging means that everybody has a voice at the table and that people are noticed for their ideas and the results and the impact that they create, not for their race, their skin color, their gender, or sexual orientation.
0: What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company?
1: So diversity in the C-suite, I think, is the biggest indicator of a company culture. So if you find that your rule board is made up of only wine meal above 55, then there's something to be said about that company's culture and how welcoming they would be to different thoughts and different opinions. So diversity in the C-suite is the first thing that somebody should look at. One of the other things that I encourage people to look at is the, the, the longevity of tenure for employees. So if the turnover every... One year, like, you know, average turnover for a year or is it five years or is 15, right? You don't necessarily want to be at a company that has an average turnover of less than a year. But then maybe also not at a company that has an average turnover of 15 years because that can also speak about the the growth.
0: And as a woman, what has been the most significant political or cultural barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges?
1: At a woman, one of the most significant cultural barriers that I had to overcome is becoming comfortable with self-promotion and really tuning into what self-promotion means. Many, many women and mostly women of color have for decades been told to not brag, to be quiet, to not talk so much about your accomplishments. That your accomplishments is just something natural that should come, right? But there's nothing special about the accomplishments, the challenges that you will overcome. And that I have found has been a big struggle with all of my clients where they feel that what they're doing day to day, the result they're creating in the day to day is just like normal. There's nothing special to be talked about for a bit. So get it really clear that what you're doing, the result that you're creating is not ordinary and that you should talk about it. And that self-emotion is a good thing. And how I talk about it has been one of my biggest learning.
0: And what do you think is important for more women, women of color, non-binary and transgender to join the tech industry today?
1: Well, representation matters and uh, AI tech is the future and being 50% and more than 50% really if you kind of account into the binary and uh, the transgenders, it is important to have representation in really defining where our future is going because if we don't have a voice now, the future would not represent the 50% that we are right now.
0: Yeah, and how do you speak with your colleagues, peers, and community about the EIB challenges, for example, salary gap and promotions?
1: I definitely do speak about my colleagues, my friends, my clients, about the challenges and particularly uh, about the gender gap in salary. I very strongly believe that we need to break the taboo around our talking about salary, right? Because the quieter that we are about what we make and uh, companies do that for a reason, right? Uh, The quieter that we are about how much we make, the more likely we are to be able to close that wage gap. And so I, I very openly talk about how much I made at Amazon, how much I made in my business last year, because if I'm open and transparent about how much I made, that allows others to see, you know, what is the potential in this particular role? Data is power, right? Like information is power and it's our duty to be open and transparent about how much we make so that others are empowered power to do that. And then that's how slowly and slowly we break away the table the, the around sound, right?
0: There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders face from reaching high position in the tech industry. How do you feel has affected, is affecting you, and what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks?
1: I think two are two wrong approaches needed. So first, we need to petition for that wider change and that will come through policy change in the highest levels of leadership. But the second step that we need to take is also to remove our own self-imposed barriers, especially for many, many women who come from cultures where, you know, they may have cultural barriers, they may have political barriers. It is up to remove all self-imposed barriers and coaching is a way to do that.
0: And today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. What is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? One of the core
1: advice that I would like to share with companies is really creating equal policies for all of their employees in the company, right? Which means equal policies for both men and women on the team policies like, what does their parental leave look like? The mandatory parental leave for both their women, but then also men. Uh, taking sick days, how managers consider employee leaving at 5 p.m. So making it okay for the men and their team to also follow these policies, not just have those policies separately creating for women. And in creating those equal policies the first a way to create change at a company-wide workplace right now. The second thing that companies can do is to empower their emerging women leadership by running leadership programs where they're providing a safe space for their emerging female talent to come together and see that the, some of the struggles that they have are not unique to them, but others are facing it too. And for them to be able to borrow strategies on what has helped other women around the team in being able to go both, both work and life and uh, try in their careers. Finally, I would say is being transparent about the data on the wage gap, if there is any, and not shy from it, but really use that as a tool to identify the gap and empower their teams to make that change. So again, data is key. Information is power. So the more transparent we are about it, the faster we'll be able to close the gaps.
0: What would you say are the few factors of challenges of implementing at the AIB culture in a workplace today?
1: I think political pressure is a big one. Companies are not working in vacuum. Like if I just take the example of U.S., we have a left party and then we have a right party, right? So depending on whether Republicans are in power or Democrats in power, um, companies still need to stay in business, right? And so there's only so much that they can push on certain DIV agendas if the party in power doesn't necessarily support it. So political pressure is a big one that I find. And then second is the uh, falling budgets. When markets are slow, when the dollar is tight, unfortunately, DIV uh, initiatives are the first one to let go. They become the nice to have, which they shouldn't because statistics enough data out there on the impact of having more diversity on the action revenue. But that's the reality of falling budgets mean that DIV initiatives become nice to have.
0: Why now do you think companies would benefit from having not just women, women of color, non-binary, and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at seats with level and boardrooms with actual mandate?
1: I think there's a couple of reasons. So... One, there is actual data that exists that links the, the diversity in the board to the impact on revenue. So There's an HPR study that was done. There are seven other studies that have been done that when um, a shift from no female representation to 30% representation on the board leads to a 15% increase in net revenue margins, right? So there's hard data. And then the second reason I would say is that representation matters, and so there's a saying by that I quote from clinical psychologist Emily who that talks about that we are more likely to experience the imposter syndrome if you don't see many examples of people who look like us in and clearly in positions that are succeeding. And so if we don't see representation of women, of transgender, of binary individuals at the C-suite level, it prevents the next generation from seeing themselves in those roles. And it's kind of like the vicious cycle. If we don't see representation, we are unable to pull at the rate that we want representation up that reinforces the cycle.
0: And how much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined?
1: The problem has been, slow. when I joined oil and gas 10, 12 years ago, I was, again, you know, one of the only women on the right side at the leadership table. So things have definitely changed. We see more representation. We see definitely policies that enable both hiring but retention of diverse population. But I think we can do more.
0: And looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias?
1: I wish I had spoken sooner. And so it's only in 2019 when I started speaking about my journey, some of the challenges that i faced in my career, and some of the strategies finally that I used to overcome those challenges. One of the big ones being, I never saw myself at a disadvantage simply because I was a woman. And I wish I had spoken about my journey and some of those strategies sooner and just being able to create more impact. Often.
0: And looking forward, what will you do as a leader beyond the amazing work you're doing with Pink Careers to improve the bias for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders in tech?
1: My goal is to grow Pink Careers. And my wish is that as I grow Pink Careers, I'm able to bring more diversity onto the leadership table for Pink Careers, right? So... As an employer, I have enough representation. At the leadership table, I am able to create policies that are equal and equitable to everybody who is part of Pink Careers.
0: Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Risha, yeah, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? I believe when we do
1: work that we love, then we are automatically taking care of our mental health. So, people highly underestimate how much burnout happens by being stuck into roles that's not living up to their potential. If people are performing below their potential, or when people are doing work that doesn't align with their personal values. So, it's really, really important for anybody who's listening. I tell them identify what your personal values are, identify what your zone of genius is, and do work that aligns with it. And that's the best way to prioritize your mental health. Have you ever experienced burnout? I certainly have. And the unfortunate part is that we don't realize that we're burning out until it's already too late. And so for me, um, when I had first moved to Canada, it was the time when I was building Pink Careers and really seeing it as a business. And I spent several thousand months trying to grow Pink Careers without any success. And at the same time, I was kind of doing some work in my full-time role that you know wasn't bringing me any intellectual or mental satisfaction. And very quickly, I found myself burning out on the job and burning out while doing Pink Careers until I took a pause and I decided to really. Prior, take a step back and prioritize my not only mental health but physical health. So one of the key things that helped me get out of that burnout was I started working with a personal trainer. I started hitting the gym and um, prioritizing my physical health automatically helped me prioritize my mental health. That is what helped us really grow through this.
0: And what is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now?
1: One of the most powerful things that companies or really like managers can do is to stay in sync with what their employees really want. And so having those regular conversations with their team members to understand whether the team members are doing work that aligns with their, you know, where they want to go, what their career goals, what their personal uh, goals are. And having that match between what their team's strengths are and putting their people in where kind of where their strengths are would help not only employees really thrive from a mental health perspective, but helping many companies grow because then you are naming your people to do their best work.
0: What motivates you every day to get out of bed?
1: Something that motivates me every single day is how am I creating an impact every single day? So it's like back to when I get that little thing on my phone, that which my manager sent me a message that they're working on my promotion. I'm going to have two reports under me or that message. Hey, I just landed another interview with XYZ company or my professor just approved my visa that they had personally said no for. Like Those are the things that really help me jump out of bed because I know it. tomorrow will be another day to make an impact.
0: Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Risha, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career?
1: Not be afraid to voice my ambition. I had a role model, a mentor who was still my mentor. I was actually just texting her yesterday and she was sharing her ambition with me. And she told me, hey, I'm going to stop doing so and so once I become president at this company. And I was like, no, like, she's not afraid to worry that she's going to become president of this company, you know, one day. I think that was the biggest unsaid piece of advice that don't be afraid to voice your ambition. Because unless you voice your ambition, like, nobody's going to know about it. And then nobody can support you in going where
0: you want to go. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given? And how did you tackle that?
1: I don't remember. Any advice that I don't want to take, I just kind of take it from one ear and take it out the other.
0: Is there something you wish you would have known, or a skill you wish you had, while starting out in the tech industry?
1: How important it is to grow your skill set, even more so as you're working in the tech industry, because tech companies are generally flatter, especially in roles like product owners, uh, product managers, program. You're kind of working largely with a cross-functional teams. So the faster you can build the skill set and leading with influence, the faster your career will grow.
0: And if you had the belief to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Don't be afraid to try new things. Like, don't be afraid to take on more than you can handle. I have noticed this change now more than it was before, where especially after the COVID, when we are afraid like try something different, try to break outside of our comfort zone. But especially when we are starting out in our careers, when we are younger, like we can take more risk. And as you get more responsibilities, as you have children and the work and all of that, taking that risk becomes harder. But the sooner you can experiment with that risk, the more comfort you will build with it, right? Because you would have to continue experimenting throughout your career. It's just that it just becomes harder to do that if you haven't built that resilience earlier enough on to experiment. So sooner you can start getting yourself outside the comfort zone, do that.
0: And what advice would you give to young girls, women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders who want and try to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders?
1: Be yourself, be authentically you, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise, really? Because as you enter the work wars, you will still find lots and lots of people who are trying to pull you down. Some on purpose, but mostly not. For most of them, that's just how they are seen. It's difficult for them to hear from or to see people who don't look like them. So, but don't be afraid to show yourself you know, like as your 100% because you are ultimately teaching them how to adjust to you, and it is your responsibility to continue doing that, even if it is far.
0: Last but not least, you did mention that you are looking into growing pink career. So what's next for you in your role and career in tech and what are your career aspirations?
1: So my goal is to help hundred women reach the C suite. And the only way you'll be able to do that if we are of able to close that gap in how many women reached their first leadership role. And there has been this fascinating study that was done called Women in the Workplace by Anan and McKinsey a couple of years ago, where they talked about for every 100 men that get promoted, only 82 women get promoted. And those stats start to very drastically go down for Latinas, for Blacks, and for women who have intersectionality of race and sexual orientation and so on as well.
0: And so the first step
1: is to close that first run, which McKinsey called the ribbon Round. And my goal is to impact that gap so that we can close it, help more women get in their first leadership role so that they have accelerated confidence in growing their careers up to the C-suite. That's my goal with Pink Careers. That's the work that I do.
0: Impressive work, Richa. I can't wait to follow your journey. You're going to reach it. I know that. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey without a doubt, a change, and reshape company culture for the next generation of women women of color, non-binary, and transgender leaders in tech.
1: Thank you so much, Jasmine, for having me on the podcast.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.com.